and welcome to episode 174 of Effect. For one night only, Johan Noor. I'm Matthew and and Yo, you're not Dave, Johan. No, I'm not. I, I, I don't think I can try to impersonate him, even <laughs> though we are into role-playing games. But no, I'm, I'm Johan. I was going to actually ask you before we started recording, how exactly do I say your name? And you've already well, corrected me on on Joanne. <laughs> Joanne. Honestly, about... I think it's I, th I think it's a bit difficult for me as a Swede to try kind of say my name in English because <laughs> I'm not used to it <laughs> saying it in English. I think I think it's it's Johan Noor. Johan Noor. Yeah, I mean... and, and brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you. Um, I guess the first thing we should say uh, is Dave sends his deepest apologies, not just to you, Joanne, but uh, also to um, to our listeners, because uh, he can't be with us tonight. He was planning to be with us tonight, but he wants us to carry on recording nonetheless. So welcome. You've got a promotion. You're now my co-host, and uh, I'm sure you're going <laughs> to do you. a, a pretty good job of it. And I'm, I'm honoured to have the, the creator of Merkborg and many other things as my co-host. Um, Dave's got a, had a bit of sad news this week. His his mum died earlier in the week, and although it wasn't unexpected, I think it's still come as a bit of a shock to him and the rest of the family. So, um, so they're dealing with that at the moment, and uh, I'm uh, thinking of him. And now, all the rest of you are thinking of him as well. I know that. So, um, so I'm sure he'll appreciate those warm thoughts. Now. Um, Johan, normally at the beginning of the episode, we just do a quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about. And um, obviously, part of that is going to be welcoming you. And then we're going to be um, saying thank you to our new patrons. And uh, Johan, uh, I would like you to name the first one of those because that's another Swedish name that I'm really struggling with. So if you pull up the running order, you can help me with that. Um, Okay, sure. So the list of um, the new patrons that we slash you have, I mean, this is not a permanent uh, a position for me, so I can't say we, but it's um, Erik Fryksdal. Erik Fryksdal, welcome yeah, and thank you, Erik. And thank you so much for your pronunciation. <laughs> Obviously, we get quite a few Swedish patrons because, you know, we talk about Swedish games and, yeah. and Dave's got a Swedish wife even, but we still managed to screw up all our Swedish pronunciations, for which we always apologise. But this time we got it right because you said it. <laughs> um, and uh, also I'd like to thank uh, Jonathan Turner, who comes from England, and I can say his name, and Peter W., who comes from Australia and hasn't revealed his surname on, on, oh. uh, on Patreon, but that's okay. Peter, welcome. All three of you, welcome. Um, and then the next thing we normally talk about uh, Johan is um, is the world of gaming. Has anything particular caught your eye in the world of gaming lately, or this year, or this lately, today? Or, well, this year, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's only a few days gone of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, actually, uh, I mean, there's a few, there's a few games that I'm like looking forward to, and a few things that I am. I, I'm anxious to see, or like I'm, 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 I want to see how how they turn out. And the one that I think of most 
today because I think it launched the crowd funding is a game called Cyber Metal 2012. Cyber Metal um, 2012. Cyber Metal 2012 by World Champ Games Company, which is Adam Bass. Uh, and it's, I mean, everything that they do is uh, brilliant. And this is uh, this is also awesome. This is it's kind of like how I'd imagine that our game Cyborg would have been if it would have been, you know, even more uh, twisted in a way, even more <laughs> turned up to eleven. So <laughs> now that was a very fast backer of that. So I can I can really recommend checking that out. And that's on and on game game found. We'll put a that's link on game found. Yeah, show notes. Um, and um, <clears throat> I think later on in the program we're going to be talking about game found and other yeah, programs. So let's leave that discussion uh, to one side for a moment. But just having a look at the um, at, at, the, at the page on game found, it's it feels very much something in the Merc Boyer tradition in terms of the illustrative style and the general punchiness yeah. of it, and shall the, we say? The subject, the subject matter and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's I like this. Tell just, stories just of demon-worshipping, like drug-running and debt In cancer. Pentagram City. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. After, after Death Agent, the best metal band of all time rose to heights never witnessed before. And after the demonic ritual sacrifice of Ronald Reagan at their last <laughs> concert, it's like that kind of sets the tone for what you're getting here. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just looking uh, at it's a lovely landscape style format as well. Hardback, they're hoping for yeah. at least. Um, yeah, that looks really And you, get, you can get a whole bunch of stuff in it. If you if you go the the, the whole way and you know uh, have the, the biggest pledge, you get the like totality. a metal pin and there's a bunch of stickers and art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, that that's looks, pretty cool. That looks very. Uh, <laughs> and another one that I'm also looking forward to, and this is some a bit partial here because I have an art piece in this one. It's called Hell Knight. Hell Knight, uh, so not night as in night in China and armor, but night as in the opposite of day. Yeah, and it's by, by uh, oh, uh, it's by Gabriel Quiroga. Probably butchered that name, but you know, people say Mercbori wrong all the time, so I'm allowed to put the names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and this, but, this uh, yeah. is looking very metal, I have to say, and uh, metal in yeah. an old school way, 80s, 90s metal. In look at it, and it's on Kickstarter yeah. again. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, so tell me what what excites you about this one, Johan? I mean, it's it's just the whole the whole style of it. It it seems so much over the top. It's kind of similar in that matter to um, a, a cyber metal, but this is this is kind of like you are, if I understand it correctly, you are like a, a, a bike rider from hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like chasing down stray like or like demons that escaped hell or something, and it has this extremely like this whole aesthetic of uh, the like super grungy 70s 80s like stoner doom metal vibe going on uh it's so ridiculous uh so i love it <laughs> cool and i'm noticing for example the playlist includes black sabbath and judas Priest. Yeah. so for old grognards like me this is this is in keeping with with music i know not that modern music that you listen to Joanne. <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> uh so so that was really good yeah Um, i think so yeah some lovely illustration so i guess it's a little bit what 
like what Knight Rider, not Knight Rider, what am I saying? No, no, um, Ghost Rider. What's the promise? Ghost Rider is the word, exactly. Knight Rider would have been cool as well, but no, yeah, Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, but, but never quite delivered on because he also had to be an all American hero at the same time for the Marvel comics. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but, but um, now you can fix that story in your own game with this. Yeah. Game. So you can exactly do it right. Right. And, and um, uh, I noticed um, Exalted Funeral are doing the. Um, the uh, fulfillment of that as well yeah uh, exactly which, which is great because i've and got my Morkborg album from exalted exalted funeral um yeah they're awesome yeah nice, nice that you got it by the way thank you, <laughs> Hope you <like> it. <laughs> now we, i but promise yeah, so you we're not going to talk about Merc boyer all the way through here because you want to talk about <laughs> you can stuff. mention it <laughs> yeah you can mention it i don't mind <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, this is on this is on Kickstarter as well, so you can check that out. Yeah, and and yeah, um, I don't know. I have, a, I mean, there's there's so much stuff happening that, uh, especially I like I I tried to not mention any like monopoly stuff, but mm. both of these are pretty similar anyway in tone, so I might as well name a monopoly thing, which is a, a third party um, title called Quakeborg. Oh right, is, yeah. Which is just the best idea. So this is—it's uh, currently on on itch. I think it's itch funding, or it's under development. Uh, and it is foul adventures in a doomed dimension. And basically, it's like if you wanted more rocket launchers in Murkbori, and you wanted to be more like the Quake video game. So mm-hmm. this is like a Quake hack of Murkbori uh, by uh, Bird Silhouette Games. Right. I might have yeah. to get the link from you off that one because I can't see that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, called Q Q V K E boring. So it's like a misspelled uh, of course. quake. <laughs> I mean, you can't. Yeah, you you can't just spell quake. <laughs> you have to file off the register the numbers on it. Yeah, I, I guess that is true. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a hashtag too. In fact. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Right. Uh, still can't so what, see a funding link, but we I can see a few links no, here. And, oh, but and I don't really them. understand. Oh, sorry. sorry? No, I, I don't really that. understand how like itch, itch funding works, if this is, is itch funding. But that's the thing that I think we're going to go into as well later on. Yes, we can. We'll, we'll but, talk about itch as well later on in the program, yeah. I think, because uh, I, I get really frustrated at itch. Um, oh, really? But, okay. Yeah, we, but we, we'll unpack that in a little bit. That also, that's cool. brilliant. Okay, three things you've said. And I'm going to say I have, yeah. as well then. One of them isn't at all new, though, I have to admit. Um, it was my birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. Belated. Um, and my wife, for my birthday, bought me the Oath board game. I don't know if you've seen Oath. Never never heard of it, no. Yeah, it's from Leader Games. Um, they, uh, they kind of hit the big time a couple of years ago with, um, with Root, which was quite a big success. Oh, right. I think there's a Root RPG coming as well. But Oath is another board game quite a complex one uh i'm interested in it because it's a kind of emergent storytelling board game um mm. you when you've played a game you you put everything away in a particular place and so whoever won the last game effectively determines how the next game starts so it's a little bit uh-huh. like a legacy game but you also get a fabulous book well my wife bought me uh the kickstarter edition um, 
which is still being sold through retail as well as Kickstarter. It, it's a kind okay. of deluxe edition, and it has a little kind of leatherette notebook for you to write down the history oh. of your empire as each game That's is cool. played over generations. And I'm just loving it. And the uh, it's pretty as hell. I just uh, image googling now. Yeah. So it's it. I also got from my colleague, I work at a game store uh, a few days a week um, that I'm not allowed to mention by Dave because it's, oh, it's free advertising. But since Dave's not here, I will say it's <laughs> the game shop in Aldershot. And my colleagues at the game shop bought me another game illustrated by the same guy. And that ah. is called Fort, which is the antithesis of Oath in that it's very temporary. You're a bunch of kids trying to build the best pillow fort or um tree house or whatever in your in your yard and um oh, i can really see the art style here uh, and what but one of the the art in, in, in between those two is really interesting to see because um what they've managed to do with oath is as you can you, if you're looking at the art style you'll probably see that mm. um uh, it's it's kind of cartoony there's quite a lot of personality, particularly in Root and in Fort behind these little creatures. What they've managed to do in Oath, I, I'm stunned by. They've managed to make most of the characters there quite faceless so that you mm -hmm. as a player can occupy uh, the the sort of the body. I mean, you know, there's, yeah. the, there's yeah. one faction that have got just a single eye uh, under a hood, but... Um, but a lot of them haven't even got eyes, so effectively you're you're being the you're being the character, and of course you might move from faction to faction as you play a different game. So you inhabit that that different one, and you imprint upon it your own personality. Um, yeah, that's I love what the I think, use anyway. of color here. It's very no, it's, it's very nice color palette as well here. I yeah, think, it's uh, gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's very very inspiring. So uh, so that's one. Uh, cool. I'll put links to that in the show notes, but you can buy that in retail. It's not a Kickstarter. It came out at some point in the last year, probably over six months ago, I think, looking at all the YouTube videos I've watched about it. But I'm very excited to have that one. Um, another one I've got is, um, I'm just looking at my list here. Uh, <laughs> Well, I tell you what. Let let let's just get over the Merc Boyer bundle of holding. Uh, oh so, right, yeah. Almost forgot about that one. Um, so uh, that yeah, was pretty bundle cool. of holding. I've got a whole bunch of Merc Boyer stuff, and and this is something maybe we should devote a bit of time to. There's an enormous yeah, sure. amount of community created content, and there's your wonderful license. Um, which is and it costs much... barely anything. Yeah, yeah, I mean the whole the bundle is basically free. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's such good value. Yeah, um, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I mean, there's um, there, there's both you know stuff for the role playing game, but also uh, it's Forbidden Psalm is in there as well, I think, which is the miniature game, the, sk mm -hmm. the skirmish game, and uh, I don't have it open right now, so I can't see what it what's in there. But I think Fisk Body's in there, which is the fishing supplement. Yeah. Any good game should have a, a fishing mini game. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and no, there's in the Masticated Gate, I think, is in there as well. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in there for uh, not a lot. And this, I mean, this whole bundle thing really caught both me and Pelle by surprise because we weren't actually, we didn't know anything about it. it just no, no, and, and, more, and we, we ought to warn people that 
Merck Boyer itself, the, if you like, the core rule book, isn't it's part of the it. bundle. This is this is, no. this is just supplements. So if people are thinking, oh, I can get yeah. it as a bundle. I've got everything with me. Well, for a start, you shouldn't use the book on PDF. So you can't get the book off a bundle of holding anyway. That would be a terrible thing. You have to hold the book <laughs> in your hands. Those are the rules, I What's think. Crime? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, I agree. I agree. But the supplements can come on PDF because because of your very generous licensing and the fact that all these people are producing all these really creative stuff like this. So much stuff like that. So yeah. um yeah. So we'll put again a link to that in the show notes, but that's caught a number of our listeners' attention already. So I think it's worth sharing with the rest. Mm, yeah. And it <clears throat> touches on uh, something I was hoping to have a bit of a chat with you in person. Uh, uh, ah, okay. Last month, you 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 were hoping to come to um, to Dragon Meat in December. Yeah. Before Omicron, yes. then um, something happened. Stomped on us. Fucked everything up. Um, yeah. So uh, we we ran your stand. We had the tickets. Copies. We had the uh, everything. And what were there? But one of the other things that you were going to join us on was a bit of a, a chat about community licensing what I'd call yeah. very grandly a community licensing or a community content masterclass. And of course, <laughs> a lot of that, we were looking very much at things like the free league workshop and stuff that goes through the sort of um, channel of uh, the community content program of things like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One bookshelf is what I mean. Drive One bookshelf, right. So in, in that way, you know, you can produce stuff for a number of IPs and you get 50% of the cover price and the rest is split between drive through and mm. whoever owns the IP. Um, but I was looking forward to having you on that panel because your method of community content licensing is a lot more liberal and free. And yeah. <laughs> um, You can say that, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether you'd been um, thinking about what you might have said to such a panel if you'd been there, uh, but I just wondered whether it's worth looking at any advice you might yeah. have for people creating stuff for Merck Boyer or indeed inspired by Merck Boyer and, and going out there. Good, good, good question. I think, I mean, our license is very, as you said, liberal. Like you can basically do pretty much anything as long as it's not like bigot stuff or hateful stuff but you can do anything for mcboy you can sell it and we don't take any cut at all like it's all yours you can use our rules and you know be compatible with the game and everything so and mm. i think a lot of people are doing pretty cool stuff with it not and as i was mentioning earlier not just material for the game but also their own games that mm. are sort of based on mcboy in some manner but, uh, I don't know if like if I have any advice or anything, but just like use it and <laughs> you know go nuts with it. So we... some of the advice we talked about was um, uh, art, because I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners, a lot of audience, can write stuff, mm. but they can't draw stuff. But they can find public domain art. Yeah, it's free. Well... Yeah, you even you know just go to the. There's a lot of museums that have free pretty big gallery or um, yeah, you can get art galleries where yeah. you can download and you can use them for commercial prop, uh, projects and everything. Actually, like when I, this is not related to um, my point in any way, but when I did uh, uh, Into the Odd, 
that's all pretty that? much all public domain art. So that mm. I just mashed together and did something new from. So I think if you don't know how to draw, either do that or use that as strength and draw ugly art. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, do it all the way because you know that's very honest and can be cool as well. Cool. And um, just to talk a little bit about Interyard and the art you did for that. That's kind of um, well, I'm guessing because I'm old school. I'm um, mm -hmm. slightly pre-digital in my art school. That's what I call collage. Uh, now I'm imagining collage, sort of yeah. doing that mostly in a digital way now. Um, but, I am, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're, you're sticking different bits of of, um, of public domain art together to, to create something new out of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then I tend to scribble a bit on top of them, or like, yeah, just you know, make them look as if someone made a scrapbook thing in the game world, or like a, a journal from their adventures, mm -hmm. perhaps. That was like one of the ideas that we had that this book should feel almost like a, a travel journal or a book that an adventurer could have. But we didn't go all the way to do it like, um, it's the word skeuomorphic, you know, when it looks like an actual artifact. Yeah. We didn't want that, but we wanted to have that sort of feeling in a way. So yeah, most of the, or some of the art has little notes on it. It's like a C uh, figure one or referencing other notes or whatever. So it's, uh, it's a style that I haven't seen other games do. Maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but I want to try something different. No, and I'm looking forward I got, to it. And I got really lost in the, in the public domain galleries of the museums because there's a lot of stuff and I couldn't use nearly you know half of it. So yeah. You should, you should absolutely yeah. check it out. <laughs> Great. Um, and finally, uh, in the world of gaming, let's talk a little bit about um, the One Ring. Now, you freelance for Free League sometimes, don't you? Have yeah, you had any done anything in the, um, uh, their One Ring project? Is your name anywhere uh, nope. in there? No. Nope. Um, not involved at all. Totally good. So then we can talk with absolute honesty about the... So, <laughs> We should say that One Ring is finally arriving on people's door doormats now. I haven't got mine yet, but I have had a shipping notice, so it's coming soon. Mm. Um, but nice, nice. we're dealing now, or freely go in the unfortunate position of dealing with Dicegate. Um, or maybe, maybe it's, <laughs> should it be called Eleventy Gate? I wonder. <laughs> um, in that they're, uh, they're it's absolute dice. horror. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling for Thomas and the crowd. Yeah. Um, no, no. Uh, and so uh, just to explain to people who maybe yeah. aren't as anal about um, uh, Lord of the Rings uh, role-playing game. As, or uh, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, haven't seen it yet. There are feet dice which are 12-sided, but the point is they run from 1 to 10, and then instead of an 11, there is the Eye of Sauron, and instead of a 12, there is the Rune of Gandalf. And um, they are bad and good things respectively when you roll them um somehow through a mix-up in uh, commissioning or manufacturing i don't know which yet um some bright spark at the dice manufacturers thought that the eye of sauron should be on the one dice and therefore you've got a dice now a one face uh, which means that you've got a dice now that runs eye of sauron two to eleven and then the the rune of gandalf um, oh, which isn't, I think, what anybody so much. expected, and nobody noticed this. And I've got to say, I, uh, I, um, 
worked with uh, Free League at Essen, and they had one copy of the game there and the mm. dice, which I think you know were, were the advanced copies sent from China, you know, to say look, this is what's on the container when it comes by airmail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked at those dice. Um, Martin Takeshi, the project manager, was looking at those dice. We were showing them to all sorts of interesting fans good? at Essen. And none of us noticed uh, that the, the dice were wrong then. And I thought, well, maybe they weren't. And I'd taken a little bit of video. Maybe they weren't. Maybe... No, they yeah, were. Maybe that advanced... They were, I'd, okay, even the advanced copy. I'd recorded oh, a little shit. bit of video for, for, um, for Twitter. And I went back to that. And you can plainly see, on, on, you can't see much of the white dice, but the black dice are plainly in their packet got oh. the 11 dice facing the 11 face this is one of those things that are so i mean this is the absolute nightmare for me and i just i mean damn i just i just came out of one of these nightmares with you know, the icon that we did that was misprinted after oh we, no really uh, what what's the misprinted icon because i was going to ask you what's the most embarrassing misprint uh, you've ever had this is yeah this is yeah we're still we're still dealing with that i mean and it's not this bad because I think the one ring is like what sixteen thousand backers or something. <laughs> but but now we but we now we had a similar thing with Icon, which is a, a Merkmal product that is a small box with yep. four booklets in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, each of the booklets. Yeah. Okay. So you're digging through your stash here to find them. Each <laughs> of the little booklets ha- yeah. are, are they are ident- identical and they have black covers. Mm-hmm. So that you, you should pick one at random. You should know which one you have. And then you open it up and you see, okay, so it's this uh, uh, god that you summon, you know. Yeah. But the printers thought, okay, so no one wants to have all black covers. So we just uh, flip them over. Oh, no. So, so every, co- every cover is, um, is wrong. It's like they, 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 they attached it wrong to the inside of the booklet. Oh, no. um, the PDF proofs were all right. We, we okayed everything. looked looked good. We did it the same way as Heretic, which is also a stapled scene, exactly the same way. But then we got it, and they were wrong. But on all, all copies, both languages already sent out to backers. So, uh, yeah, so there was a lot of angry emailing. But we are going to reprint everything and send it to everyone again. So, Oh, wow. It, I, I was totally unaware of that. Have you been, has this been communicated on? Have there, have there been discussions? On uh, yeah, there's no... There, we posted on the on our Kickstarter update, and there's been like this whole project has been there's been so many technical issues with it because of the pandemic, because of delays, because of everything, and then this on top of it was just a fucking I don't know, uh, <laughs> just took the cake. But we're all oh, we're just gonna handle it. That's the thing when you're doing these kind of technically advanced print projects, like there's always a chance that there'll something will go wrong when there's people handling it so yeah. Uh, yeah all you can do is just try to fix it and replace them take take the losses that you have to take because of it yeah. because the printers even though they actually did it wrong they won't cover the costs to reprint it so we have to do that so <laughs> but you know it is what it is now i'm reminded of the story of uh, uh chaosium's well not chaosium strictly speaking q workshops did a set of RuneQuest dice and for one of those dice, they had a, I think it was another 12-sider, actually, which um, does hit location. And right. they put one hit location on two faces of this dice. Oh, okay. Left leg. Well, 
And so for weeks, <laughs> people were saying, oh, my God, left leg hit again. It was only <laughs> weeks later that somebody actually went around and went, hold on, there's no, on, there's no right leg. It was lower abdomen. <laughs> and there's two oh, left okay, legs. Okay. Um, but I, think, I, think <laughs> I thought it was literally shot. two faces. But yeah. No. So um, Hugh Workshop put their hands up to that one. And I think they did promise to replace those dice for everybody uh, that wanted it. But uh, these no, but the one ring, this dice thing. I don't know yeah. what they're planning to do. If I mean, you can still use, you can still play the game with just regular D12, I guess. I mean, it's just yeah. well, and, and you can play the game with but, this. Just count the 11 as one. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't a, know. Yeah. They've really had time to think about what they're going to do and, you know, see whether mm. they can persuade the manufacturers to bear any of the cost or anything. But that will be a discussion. I'm sure it'll run on and then we'll hear about some solution or something. I'm sure in in the future, but um, yeah, I, I guess you it know. Works out as you've just demonstrated with projects like this, when you've got so many different bits of the thing going on, it's really hard. And we ought to remember, of course, that all these companies. I mean, everybody looks at you as an indie uh, designer and and thinks that Free League are some I don't, massive corporation. I don't corporation. know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. but, but we're all of us, I feel, apart from maybe Wizards of the Coast, pretty much everybody is pretty indie, I think, in, in this game. Uh, so uh, I don't know. But regardless, uh, I think you can expect some mis- mishaps if you print stuff or if you do projects like this. Yeah. Like that, that's just, I don't know, that's just something that you have to sort of expect. Like no matter how thorough you are, someone else is going to deliver on it and someone else is going to put it together. So, yeah. or you can, you can mess up. I mean, I, I mess up all the time. So there's, there's errors in, in everything that I do pretty much. Cool. So you just have to accept that. Um, so uh, talking of expectations, uh, <laughs> yeah. for the meat of this episode, Dave and I uh, had promised each other that we were going to be predicting three things each that mm. were going to happen in 2022 for ponder this. the orb look for the future yeah. and um now obviously dave's not here with his with his predictions it would be unfair to ask you to predict anything <laughs> uh, but i so i will uh, share the predictions that i've got one of which we've alluded to so maybe that's the first one we should start with and that is has kickstarter peaked now you're talking about uh, two games on Itch.io and on and on um, uh, GameFound. So GameFound, yeah. Kickstarter is getting more competition, and I think also the the way the path that Kickstarter has taken now is uh, maybe not optimal and maybe isn't uh, liked by everyone. Are we talking about when... this NFT thing? Yeah, or the the blockchain thing. The blockchain uh, thing. So- I don't I don't really know exactly all the details, or I don't know. To be honest, I don't know anything about this. I know what <laughs> NFTs are. I've read the article and I don't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, but I I what I understand, it's pretty bad. And I mean, I know what NFTs are, and that's fucking horrible. And if they if they want to do something like that, then uh, I totally understand this. But I think. This direction is probably not good, and a lot of people are boycotting it right now, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are trying to look for alternatives. So, I think Kickstarter is in for a rough ride. 
now. Right. Okay. Um, and of course, they had a rough ride last year, or maybe it's the year before last when they tried to be a bit of a union buster. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Um, and I know that I didn't back any projects on, on Kickstarter no. while that was going on. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Kickstarter. Oh, they're not, they started to lose their, their shine, maybe. And um, also, they're, they're, they postponed uh, Scene Quest now, which mm-hmm. was. Uh, which led to a bunch of uh, indie de- designers making their own scene quest, their own scene month, which is yeah. happening right now, the scene month. Including one of our patrons, Craig. So, uh, see, uh, look at that. Yeah. And I think this is, this is brilliant to see that people are like sort of building their own thing instead of relying on another on, like on third party. Yeah. But of course, what Kickstarter does have is that massive international audience. So, yeah. I think a lot of people who so use Kickstarter use it because it's the dominant force in crowdfunding. Um, yeah, and that's the thing you have to consider and have to, like, that's a big challenge, I think, if you yeah. want to compete with it. So, But then yeah. there's an interesting thing about, well, how, you know, do you need, do you need to make millions off your Kickstarter or are you trying to get your project off uh, the ground? But is GameFound going to give you enough support or even Twitch? Um, not Twitch, it's yeah, exactly. IO, um, going to give you it's, just yeah. the support to get your thing made. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I alluded to my frustrations with itch, and I'll tell you what they are now. I can't find anything on itch. One of my oh. friends says, I've made this thing, it's on itch. It, here's its name. This is who I am. Oh, I know, it's <sighs> terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I can't yeah, and, and, so, and the one game that's on itch that you mentioned earlier on in the world Quick of gaming, pouring, yeah. I couldn't, you know, it wasn't no. coming up in search. I'm sure I can find it, but it's going to take me ages to get that that link. Yeah, I agree. I think itch needs to do something about their UI or their search engine or their ca- uh, cataloging or whatever because it's it's very hard to find stuff, mm-hmm. and it's not a really good storefront or like a yeah, it's 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 hard to get noticed there. But so yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything this year or if something will change. I don't know. I mean, I'm not very active there, but I see like it feels like most of the most interesting games are on there. So, no, so. I, I think so. And but again, I'm not active, and it is actually that whole interface that puts me off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wading through a whole bunch of video games. I'm, I'm not saying video games shouldn't be on there, but you know, there's so much stuff on there that isn't what I'm looking for that I, you know, I lose interest in in looking for the thing that i i wanted um what's yeah. uh, so game found you mentioned one of the games that- and game found yeah i mean game found it, it's pretty new right i mean mm-hmm. i yeah I, th- I think it uh, popped up was it last year or was it this year i mean i have no sense of time anymore but it it's an interesting competitor to kickstarter uh, that's specifically tar- like for games basically yeah so, um I think it's it still has some way to go before it can totally beat Kickstarter when it comes to visibility and reach. But maybe this is the year. I don't know. We'll see. I really applaud the ambition. And I, I think it's very good to have competition for Kickstarter. Yeah, I think Kickstarter needs to have that competition. Yeah. Um, now, I'm trying to remember whether... Yeah, I have in my head two origin stories for Game Found, and I don't know which one is right. One of them is that it's a French company. I'm just looking for some evidence of that or otherwise, and I'm not particularly seeing that. 
And the other one is that it's very much associated with one of the big sort of board game with minis creators like Steamforge or, or uh, somebody like that. There seems um, to be a lot of miniature games or board games on it. So mm. I don't know. Maybe that's a, that could be a French thing as well. I don't know. Yeah, but, I'm just... Uh, I'm not finding any clues yeah. on the website, so uh, I'm still kind of unused to how it works as well. How like how the funding and the stretch goals and everything works, but that's probably what because I'm so I've I've been so embedded into Kickstarter lately, so I'm sort of used to that. Yeah, but uh, I've backed a few projects on it, so uh, yeah, I I like it. I think, or I'll see. I'm interested to see what will happen with it. Yeah, and so um. Uh, I'm just the the best I can find of is the data is registered in um, Warsaw in Poland. Mm, um, Poland. So it may be a Polish company, and it may be, as I say, therefore, from one of the manufacturers of the figures or something like that. Right. I imagine, but um, yeah. So so Gamefound we think might be stronger competition for Kickstarter. What are your thoughts about the next game that you make? Where, where do you think you might go to fund that? Oh, good question. Uh, I mean, right now, I am so uh, in, like pre I'm so occupied with the Kickstarters that we are running, that we oh, that we just ran, that we're doing mm. fulfillment for. And I think I don't know if I even want or if we really need to crowdfund something. Because that's a, that's another discussion as well. Well, like, that's the other do thing. Do you really do you really need to use a crowdfunding, uh, uh, you know, page or site, if if you are, if you already have an audience? Yeah. Like we've been talking a lot about that. Like, do we really need to, or should we leave this space to to other creators who might need it more to need that visibility more? So, and I think maybe that's something for other larger companies to consider as well. Yeah, I mean. Um... Free League obviously hasn't hasn't kickstarted everything they've done. No, Alien was pre-order the um, the last version of uh, the last volume of their uh, um, Coriolis adventure was pre-order. But I I was a little bit surprised, in fact, that they did go to Kickstarter for their recent version. Uh, yeah, and expansion. also for the One Ring, um, and for One Ring, obviously. But One Ring, yeah, you yeah. can kind of see the point of going to Kickstarter there, where you get that massive buy-in yeah, and if they'd gone yeah. up to people who'd bought first edition um well they might not have even been allowed to get the data from cubicle seven for that and it's obviously no. go to kickstarter has definitely been a a good idea in that regard but for the version thing i well you know again this this version expansion has had more backers than the previous one so maybe that has also increased the market for that um yeah yeah i don't know pre-orders it's an interesting thing. thing and i think and also i think uh sites like gamefound i mean if a company like free league would launch their next project there i mean that that would be pretty interesting to see what where that takes it or yeah. if they do something else than kickstarter uh that could really do some ripples in the industry, I think. You well, know. Well, maybe we should whisper in Thomas's ear and say, do you want to be a real trendsetter here? Game found. It's fun. You know, <laughs> it. be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Freely gone itch.io? Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, 
so so that was that was my first prediction has it peaked is you know are we going to see the decline of kickstarter Maybe. And you'll notice that I'm not being very definite with any of these predictions. I, I'm not saying we've seen the last of Kickstarter because <laughs> you know, I want to hedge my bets a bit. It's, the, um, it's, it's, it's not a prophecy that you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my next thing I want, I'm wondering about is whether RPGs will get delivered what I call digital first um, yeah. with optional deluxe print on demand. Now, when I say digital, I don't mean pdf necessarily um or like websites or a web format well I'm, I'm just wondering whether um you know this year has seen free league invest a lot of time in getting assets for um virtual tabletops particularly foundry um but some other ones as well more and more people are using virtual tabletops because uh you know covid um, yeah, exactly. you can't you can't sit down and play with people. You have to do it digitally. So you um, might as well use the computer for what it's good for. Yeah, and then there's a thing about you know maybe, and I I honestly don't think PDFs are the right form of this, but maybe in terms of that, sometimes you want your RPG to be a book you read, and sometimes you want mm. it to be a technical manual. Mm. Whether there's something there, whether re, whether data, the raw words can be presented in different ways for different uses electronically. I mean, I, I honestly think that we haven't really used the digital means enough in this hobby. I think mm. just PDFs are very, like they don't, they, they, they're pretty flat and like you, you can't really do much with them. Well, like yeah, I you, mean, I think that's the point of PDF, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, a document format. Exactly. So <laughs> you, should, should, you should experiment with other formats. Yeah. And just, I was thinking about that when we did our generators for Mercury. Yeah. How I mean, because I don't know anything about coding, but when we uh, when we worked with uh, Carl Druid, who's doing the the codes for uh, the actually the Scumberther the we're talking Scumberther about and, and the Dungeon Gem and the yeah. Monster Poachers, you know, you know, you can have so much more vari uh, variables in there that yeah. you can't have in a book because if you're going to have a table in a book, you're confined by the space on the page. But here you can have infinite. I mean, I feel like I'm preaching about the internet here like you can have infinite <laughs> space <laughs> but like i don't know like if you were to make a role-playing game as a website or something then yeah yeah i think you should i mean maybe we should see more like that uh, but i think you're right it's about not just presenting the pages of a book on the website but really taking advantage of everything that digital yeah of the medium exactly yeah and not trying to mimic a book but do something entirely different and just look at how does play work how, how do you do when you sit down at the table or through a virtual tabletop and play mm. and like make a product that caters to that that works for that and you know leave books behind i don't know and i'm a print i mean i love print but if we're gonna do digital stuff then do digital stuff Okay, but there, there is a thing there, though, because you love print, and yeah. there are a whole bunch of people out there that I think buy role-playing games, maybe with an intention of playing them, but they normally then just sit on the shelf looking pretty. I'm one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is a market where we like books. And yeah. again, I've always been a bit disappointed by ebooks in that... Um, I don't know whether I want to keep a fancy copy of my novel uh, on the shelf until I've read the novel. And mm. I always use it as an example here. 
years ago, I read a book by Tim Stanley Robinson called The Years of Rice and Salt, which had been bought for me in paperback. That was fine. I read it. I loved it so much that I wanted to have a hardback version. And mm. of course, by then, your hardbacks were like 200 quid or whatever, because they, they hadn't printed very many anyway, and they're in short supply. And I'm always a bit miffed that publishers don't think, okay, well, if if ebooks are the future, could we do bespoke printing mm. a little bit and go back to like the 18th and 19th centuries where you just got the um, the wad of paper and then you took it to your binders to be bound to your specification. And I just wonder whether there's, you know, a, a chance for that to be industrialized and um, digitized. And I mean, it's kind of like that with limited edition stuff yeah. that people do uh, myself included have done it on for like kickstarters so you could have these super fancy books but then you would you mean that the standard edition would be a digital only yeah yeah i mean i i can see that happening because also the the state of like the printing business right now that pay, it's like we're running out of paper you know yeah. uh, we just got word that that into the odd will be a bit delayed because the paper manufacturing, uh, you know, they, they 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 don't have the paper ready yet because yeah. there's queues due to the and, pandemic. So. And you guys, both both you um, uh, in 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 your circle and free league as well, always you think so much about the right sort of paper to use in every product yeah. you do that you don't want to take an alternative paper. You no, want no, no. the paper that you'd originally envisioned. Exactly. You don't want to just pick another typeface because <laughs> the yeah. printers can't use type. I mean, you have your vision for what you want to do. Uh, but this is the thing, you know, we ran out of cardboard for the whole world this year. Or So like that can also be a reason to not do print as much because you can't do it. So I don't know. Maybe we have to find alternatives for that, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, yeah, it hurts to say because, as I said, I'm a print lover, but... Uh, Maybe that's the reality. Yeah, maybe maybe we're hitting that moment where actually, just like with um, you know, contactless transactions, and seriously, yeah. people are now going, who uses cash anymore? Well, except for people in Germany, of course, because they don't use cards <laughs> still. But uh, everybody, but I mean, that's such a weird thing. I haven't touched uh, like cash, as you said, in I don't know how many years. You never, I never, <laughs> you never see it anymore. Uh, no, no. I yeah, went to a cafe thing. that said, as I came in, they went, we only take cash. What? <laughs> Screw that. And but Berlin in particular, when I went to Berlin <clears> last, <throat> it's really hard to use credit cards or anything like that in Berlin. Wow. Um, okay, so that's that's my second prediction. My third one, and this is going to be really niche. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> You might not have much to say about this, but I'm wondering whether this year we're going to see a new edition of uh, the game from... Um, uh, uh, now, who, who's behind it? Uh, Greg Stoltzy and Dennis Detweiler, I think. Forgive me if that's not who created it. And that's Godlike, the, um, the, the game of superheroes in the Second World War. And I have a sneaking suspicion that there might be a reissue of that. Do you have any opinion on that at all, Johan? No, zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not the best uh, podcast content, but no, I don't have any. <laughs> That's any okay. I wasn't, I wasn't really <laughs> expecting it. Um, but let me say, I think there will be a new edition. I, this is one where I'm pretty confident we'll see 
at least a Kickstarter for the edition if we don't actually see mm. the thing itself. Or a game uh, found, who knows? Or game found, indeed, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking we're going to see it like we saw reissues of Feng Shui and of Rain from Greg Stoltz last year and another one, which I went into big time. What's it called? Well, but I've forgotten what it's called. Unknown Armies. Unknown Armies. Mm-hmm. It's a new edition mm-hmm. of that. Which, interestingly, had quite a nicely done PDF that was optimized for actually being a digital thing with more hot links in it and things like that than than you usually get in an RPG PDF and a slightly different page format as well. So um, that's pretty cool when people do that, when they do an optional like version just for the PDF that's maybe landscape or, you know, built for uh, a computer. And yeah. also the hot links as well. I mean, and bookmarks and everything. Uh, I keep talking about Into the Odd, but I was doing the, the final PDF for that. And I was thinking about how you could, I've never used that before, but you can actually do attachments to a PDF. I never knew that before. Right. So, you, so I attached the character sheet to the PDF of the core book so that when you have that PDF, you always have the character sheet as well tucked in there. Brilliant. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, I've never seen it before. And it's pretty cool. And also like how you can, you, you know, um, do hyperlinks on maps or, you know, people, more people should do that, I think. Yeah, I think it's I mean, it's, it is a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, well, how much hard work, you know, you've actually done it for- a I mean, it took me uh, one, no, two nights. Oh, and right. like, yeah, to like two full nights and a bottle of wine or something. And I just, you know, I got it done. So it's, uh, but I think you can do it smarter. I'm, I mean, I, I don't work very smart. I, I, when I work, it takes a long time. I do it manually. You can pr- probably make it more automated, but okay. it's, not, it's not that difficult. Um, and now again, actually, this is just touching back on our advice we were giving for creators on community content. One of the things that came up is, um, what do you, what software do you use to create your PDFs and your layouts? Uh, I use InDesign, Adobe InDesign. Yeah. But I think there are better alternatives out there. I'm just not used to them. So in the, the, the creative suite, suite for from Adobe is the ones that I am used to. Mm-hmm. But I know that Affinity is probably good. I've never tried it. I know yeah, a lot of people I, use it. I, but. I, you know, I was trained, well, I was trained originally on Aldous PageMaker and then have followed through no uh i uh, quark express yeah and and then in design and uh i i i kind of feel in design's a bit overpowered and also for me now that it's not my main job anymore hmm. every time i sit down with InDesign, i have to relearn it and so i feel uh, <laughs> it's a lot of buttons in there a there's a lot of buttons and yeah. i i do find affinity easier there's some stuff uh about um doing prepping stuff for print on affinity where it's not quite as good as InDesign, mm. but um but it's for me no but it's i think InDesign does the trick and yeah. also you have to do some work in acrobat afterwards just yes like do some digital uh optimizations and also print production wise just check the different uh, layers and the mm. separation layers and everything so I don't know. I'm 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 be I'm getting more and more obsessed with that just to check if all the color plates are right and all the uh, you know because <laughs> well, I'm working I can't with say yeah. if I'm going to accuse Free League of anything and this isn't necessarily any work you've done for Free League. There's a lot of layers, a lot of layers in Free League PDFs. 
Oh, in the PDFs. Right. Yeah, and they don't always work in the way that I think uh, they were intended. <laughs> so we have had, I remember a whole bunch of the Coriolis stuff, the background layer didn't appear. So you were looking at black text on a oh. on a on the star field that was behind the background for the columns. Okay, I'm innocent there. I'm not going to do with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sure. But there's a lot of transparency layers as well. I'm thinking, do you really need all these transparency layers, guys? <laughs> um, but uh, that's going a bit technical. Um, right now, we're just five minutes away from the end of the podcast. Oh shit! Is uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before? before we move into the last um, item of the podcast. Oh, I don't think so. No, I'm excited to see what the last thing is. Okay. Well, the last thing <laughs> is, uh, obviously, you know, I, I asked you to bring a D12 with you, or uh, should I say in Swedish, a T12. A T12, yeah. You failed to do that because you're moving house. I had uh, one job, yeah. <laughs> um, so we had a bit of a competition. Uh, the lovely guys at Free League... Um, I'm not sure whether they sent it by accident, but we got two copies, each of us, Dave and I, of Twilight 2000. We'd kickstarted it, and then one arrived, and we thought that was our Kickstarter bonus, our Kickstarter pledge. And it turned out that I think it was a you know a kind of review copy, which was lovely. Thank you, Boal at Free League for that. Um, but we we now have two spare copies, effectively, um, and we thought it would be nice to do a bit of a draw for our listeners. We wanted them to write a review of the podcast because not enough people write reviews of our podcast. So that was it. You, to qualify for the draw, you had to write a review. And um, we got some lovely reviews. In fact, uh, I should have, I should have taken some out, but I remember one of them said that Dave and I were the Waldorf and Statler of role-playing games. <laughs> Did you have to write a good review to be? Well, no, we said it, no. it could, it could be a bad review, but I've <laughs> okay, got to say, um, everybody who pointed their reviews out to us only, only gave us good reviews. So uh, they oh. might feel that a good review is going to do them um, better in the competition, but Man yeah. management by fear. It's just numbers. And in fact, um, we got 12 reviews Um and so I'm just going to call up my spreadsheet, actually. Oh, you, should, you should have had one of those, um, the one ring D12s. We that, should have had one of those. One that, and then <laughs> the person who was on number 11 might have won. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, that'd be the perfect. Uh, yeah. um, what I would like you, though, is to give me, first of all, a number between 1 and 12. Yes, I will go to Google and do roll D12. Excellent. And I came up with a 10. A 10. Yes. Right. That is, uh, now this is a Swedish name. I'm going to screw it up, I'm sure. Or a Danish name, in fact. This is Emil oh. Freidendahl, which reminds me hmm. that Emil Freidendahl also wrote us a letter, which I said I'd read out. Um, and that is stunning that he said, um, this isn't a special case <laughs> for winning a copy of this thing. <laughs> but I just want to tell you this story. And now uh, you've done that. And could we have one more and make sure that's not a 10? Okay. Yeah, sure. Hang on. Uh, I roll a one. And a one. Yep. And Thomas Widgreen, who, in fact, gave us our first review. So Thomas and Emil will be in touch with both of you uh, to get your addresses to send you each a copy of Twilight 2000. Um, and that brings me on to... Um, Emil's letter, which I'm going to just call up on my iPad now. 
and uh, share with everybody because it's a sad story, as Emil said, but I think it talks a little bit about, you know, how important gaming can be uh, to all of us. And I thought it would be a nice thing to share. So give me a moment. So Emil wrote, uh, he pointed out his review that he'd written on, um, on Podchaser. And I think, I think that was another review that uh, I liked. He said, I think in that review, I think it was Emil who said something like, um, I would listen to these two, even if their podcast was how to cook spaghetti with cows. Um, I would listen to that as well. Yeah. Well, I thought no, that sounds like a, yeah, a sounds great podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, but that's, that's not the bit I'm reading out. So he said, I'm sorry, but this is a sad story. And since I'm deeply dyslexic and not much of a writer, I'm sure I can't do it justice in how beautiful it should be. In October 2020, my very best friend got sick. At the time, he was on a trip with his family to Greenland. And this was one of the very last places that it was possible to go because of COVID. And due to the fact that COVID had not reached Greenland yet, they went head over heels to get him back to Denmark. His symptoms were that his lymphocyte count was way too low. The flight went so fast that the travel company could not make room for his wife and two kids, so he had to fly alone. You must understand that I and the ones around him, both medicals and his family, did not think, did think my friend might die from this. So I drove from the dark parts of Jutland to Copenhagen because I wanted someone to be there. And even though I wasn't the right person to be there, I figured it was better than him being alone. It's a six hour flight from Nuke to Copenhagen. And with the drive from here to Copenhagen, it would be around the same time. Naturally, I had to get a hotel in Copenhagen and figure that he would have landed a couple of hours prior to me being at the hospital. And and that would probably be fine since the doctors would have to look at him first and so on. Anyway, when I asked my friend at reception at the hospital, they said they'd not heard of his name. The thing between Denmark and Nuuk is there's a time zone difference. I didn't realize at that, at that point, and I feared maybe they didn't call for an ambulance, but an undertaker. It turned out it was leukemia. And for the last year, he's been in and out of hospitals and getting very intense chemo. I don't know if everyone knows this, but when you're undergoing chemo treatment, the big issue is that your immune system becomes very ineffective and that combined with the pandemic, welcome to living inside a bubble. If you think you saw self-isolation, just say to it, just imagine how isolated his family had to be. I've just realized I've made the longest build up and I'll try and keep it short from here. Anyways, aside from having cancer, my friend is in, uh, it lacks a social life, uh, I think. Um, I'm not entirely sure what um, Emil meant to say there. And this is when we started mixing Tabletop Simulator, Discord, and Verson. I know you English people spell it wrong, but he spelt it with their, with their conflated A and E, uh, a ligature. And it has been such a wonderful way to be able to socialize and still have contact with him me and our close friends we've used tons of hours with oscar hjort velamina skit and the versen of the north my friend is still sick and the future is unsure for him at this point however he and i have gotten countless hours of context 
that is not surrounding cancer or death. And that makes me happy. So um, congratulations, Emil. Uh, honestly, it wasn't that letter that uh, that got you the winning number. It was just where I put you on the list and the a dice roll and Google that helped in his Google rolling. Um, thank you, Johan. Have you got anything to say about Verson? Have you played Verson yourself? I haven't, no, uh, but I would really like to because I'm very interested in the whole folklore of the Nordic Vasan and everything like that. And I have the have the original art book that the game was made from. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I've got that too. I rushed out and bought it as soon as Freelig announced it. I, I bought it from a shop in, in Sweden, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, cool. It's a lovely book. Lovely book. Have you have you played it? Oh uh, yes. We 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 I think for us Versen was the most surprising game. I mean, Dave and I both bought it because we're free league nerds. <laughs> um and i wasn't really expecting much of it but it's amazing mm. um you know it's one of the it's at the simpler end of the year zero system so the system really gets out of the way and lets people do lots of role playing and you can see it there with uh when he talks about um the character names oscar hjort and Wilhelmina mm. skit it, everybody gets into character so easily in Versen so easily and i don't Danny. understand quite well, i i think i have a theory about why that happens that i've i've shared on on previous episodes of the podcast so i won't bore you with it um but but i think broadly speaking people prefer to talk in character in verson to try and solve the problems rather than you know trying to kill people like they do in mm. Merc Boy, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it seems uh, pretty cool and i mean i would probably buy it not to play it because i rarely ever play games i don't have time for it but i would love to read it just to get inspired and to you know see what they've done to the world of this folklore stuff well, we occasionally and... play them online um and mm. in fact the latest book um the latest kickstarter has been an english supplement but they've done four adventures uh, set throughout the mythic north as well in a, a book called um seasons of mystery oh, and these cool. are i think in fact there's a jutland one a, a danish based one in there um as well which which i've read because dave and i have helped a little bit with uh localizing those if you're using using the book oh right right yeah with your with your new mythic britain book as well um well oh, cool Thank you, Johan. Thanks so much for joining us and um, replacing Dave. I, I'd really like to say, could you do it again in a couple of weeks' time? But I'm not sure that Dave <laughs> would let me do that. <laughs> well, pleasure was all mine. Uh, I mean, it was big shoes to fill, so I think he'll uh, be <laughs> a huge, huge feet. Dave has literally big feet. Oh, like really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be nice to take them off. No, it was it was really fun. Brilliant. Thanks, well, so thank you. And uh, we always sign off uh, by obviously saying goodbye, but we'd love our guests to say our um, catchphrase, may the icons bless your adventures. So maybe if I say goodbye, you can finish with oh, that. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, honestly, I don't know what we're going to be talking about in two weeks time because Dave isn't here and we've not planned anything. But between now and then, we will plan something and there will be an episode. So uh, let me say, first of all, goodbye from Johan and goodbye from me. And may the icons bless your adventure. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast. 
presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.